there, bird. Hi, Matt. <laughs> hey, people know I'll... who we are now. Well, I, I hope. <laughs> We're still really good at awkwardly like introducing ourselves, which Dude, is fine. If I think I'm, that's our thing. If I'm hosting a podcast, it never the intro the the beginning is always it never goes the way it should. Uh, I've been doing that for years. I'm just bad at it. <laughs> I'm okay with that being like a thing, though. Like people just expect <laughs> it to be terrible every time. So, well, how do you like just? I don't know. How do you like start a podcast? Like what? Well, well we are. Should, like, yeah. What you have like? You have like music and welcome to Kaiju Transmissions and. I yes, don't know. that 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 is what that that should re- that right there. I mean, you just did it right there. You have assured people that they're listening to Kaiju Transmissions, where we explore giant monsters and Japanese fantasy. That's what we do. <laughs> Am I wrong? So, you are, you are not wrong. What, what are we talking about today? Today, Matt, we are talking about the country of Japan, and we're going to ask ourselves, you know what? What if that beautiful country just sank? Just sank right down into the bottom of the ocean. Just sank. What would we do? Do you well, know what we would do? I don't know, but I think this movie we're going to watch is probably going to tell us, or that we watched already. Yes. I, I guess we watched it. Yes, Matt, for the people that don't know out there right now, we are talking about the sinking of Japan uh, and its film adaptations and... Uh, so, um, now I know what some people are thinking. Ooh, there's no monsters in this. There's no kaiju in this. Wah, wah, wah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but you know what? Just, guys, just listen to us, okay? Because in the world of Japanese science fiction, this is a very relevant piece of work. This was a novel. Uh, written by a Japanese sci-fi author named Sakyo Kumatsu, and uh, written kind of in a time, uh, well, from the mid-60s through the early 70s was the writing process, um, which was uh, a time, especially in the 60s, um, Japan kind of being caught in the middle of the Cold War with tensions between the U.S., and Russia, and the arms race, and all that stuff, and just feeling a general sense of helplessness. And so this this novel was written that asked, well, what would the other countries of the world do, and how would we react if the country of Japan sank? And that's where the science fiction novel uh, came, came about. And then, the same year... Um, 1973, Toho, um, made The Submersion of Japan, based on the book. It was later remade in 2006 by Shinji Higuchi with The Sinking of Japan. Um, and, uh, also in the 70s, there was actually a, a TV show that Toho made based on it, which to my knowledge hasn't been translated anywhere so we can't talk about it and then there was also a parody film called the world sinks except japan and we are going to talk about uh those three movies um and uh the politics involved in them 
And I, I don't think we did this on purpose. I think Matt was just kind of working his way through a list of movies that I'd given him that, you know, I thought would be interesting to talk about on the podcast. And he was watching these. And ironically, uh, that was around the time Shin Godzilla came out, which was also um, uh, very heavy on politics and uh, cabinet meetings and and international relationships. So I think that uh, as a sort of follow-up to Shin Godzilla, this is actually a pretty pretty, uh, relevant topic um, because it's... It's almost the, the 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 movies follow pretty much the same structure as Shin Godzilla, and that there's a disaster that isn't necessarily taken too seriously at first, and then it continues to get worse, and Japan is kind of caught in the middle trying to deal with it and um, and ask other countries for help, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, obviously, these are Toho uh, science fiction movies, which is um, what makes them, uh, I guess, relevant to what we do, but um, especially when you watch them, you'll, and I'm not the first, I'm far from the first person to say this, but these really, and Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but these really do feel like Godzilla movies without Godzilla. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely that. Um, <laughs> especially, they, they, there's, there's one scene in particular that, like, you're like, holy crap, this is a giant monster scene without the monster, especially in the in the first uh, sinking of Japan or submersion yeah. of Japan, depending the, on how you the, translate that. These are, and again, I, I know. I mean, I know that we've talked about trying to get people to look at some other things and that they, that we feel like they might like that might fall a little bit out of the giant monster th- stuff. But these movies really—they're it's just like Matt just said. These are kaiju movies without the kaiju. Um, so, but I mean, with, without further ado, we will we'll 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 start by looking at 1973's Submersion of Japan, um, uh, I, which I think it was kind of like a Jurassic Park scenario where the movie and the book were being done at the same time in a way. Um, directed by a director named Shiro Moritani, who I'm not familiar with outside of this film. Um, but uh, yes, it is a movie made um, by Toho and. You'll see a lot of um, actors you might recognize show up. Uh, And, uh, I mean, talking about tokusatsu, this is um, Teruyoshi Nakano doing the special effects work. In my opinion, probably the best work of his career and some of the best work in the genre period. We'll get get back to that in a little bit. Um, Produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka. uh, Music by... um, Marasu Sato, who did uh, the Fukuda Godzilla movies, um, so a lot of a lot of the the guys that you you guys are probably familiar with are involved in this movie as well. Um, but <clears throat> uh, and the thing is, this is um, you know there. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with a lot of different disaster movies like. Um, uh, Earthquake, or the Towering Inferno, or um, in the '90s it kind of came back a little bit with stuff like Dante's Peak, but th- these movies are different because they there's really a certain kind of intellect to them that most uh, disaster movies don't have, and that it's not purely popcorn spectacle. At least not this movie is. 
we'll get to popcorn spectacle a little bit later. Um, but I mean, general plot breakdown really isn't too much different from any disaster movie. It's really how it's handled uh, in the in the actual script that makes it stands out. But um, uh, after an earthquake in Japan, uh, some scientists go down into a submarine. The Watatsumi, I believe it is. Um, I might just be getting that completely wrong, though. Hey, you um, took a page from my book uh, on that one. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, they notice that uh, they they get some um, geologists, and they come to realize that these earthquakes are being caused by movement of the Earth's plates, and Japan is gradually sinking. And uh, like a lot of disaster movies, they do the thing where they're like, oh, it's going to take this long, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. It's actually going to happen way sooner. And so the rest of the movie is really the prime minister trying to get as many people to safety as he can, negotiating with other countries to take in uh, refugees. How many can they take? Um like uh can they renegotiate to take more um a lot of a lot of stuff like that um and like shin godzilla or godzilla 1984 the movie is kind of structured around the prime minister holding these meetings and giving speeches and and talking to people from different countries and that's really the movie here um and in between you get some really fantastic uh miniatures and um and just uh great tokusatsu special effects um but i mean really there's there's actually so much more to talk about this movie that it's almost hard to even like find a place to start um i'd (laughs) i'd seen it a few years ago and i can tell you that i actually think it's it's very well done and i i think it's probably the smartest disaster movie i've seen but matt i know um this is new to you within the last like two weeks or so. Uh, what? How did you feel about Submersion of Japan? Yeah, like it, it's well. Well, first of all, let's talk about some familiar faces. Let's tie this into like our audience. First, you have um, Keiju Kobayashi, Kobayashi, excuse me, who played the prime minister in Godzilla 1984. Uh, that's where most people would probably know him from. Also, um, Nakajima is actually the prime minister's chauffeur in this, so he's in this film. Obviously, he played the original Godzilla. Everybody should know him by now. Um, if you're listening to this film and you don't know who Nakajima is, I, I you're a noob. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Just know. Go on, but, um, go on Wikipedia and come back in a minute. <laughs> um, but then, obviously, um, my, my favorite performance though in the film. Is actually the prime minister, which is played by Tetsuro Tamba. He throughout the film, you really feel the angst and the pressure that he's under to try to save the people of Japan. And one of the things I was really struck by was the fact that he's doing everything that he can to sit, to basically evacuate Japan, to negotiate with people of other countries, to basically take refugees um, from Japan. And the thing that they do really 
I thought they did an awesome job is there's actually scenes with Japan and ambassadors from Japan actually negotiating with people from the UN and other countries and basically saying, hey, how many people will you take? And there's really a ton of like back and forth and give and take. And one of the things I want to tie into this um, is like if, if you think about something like, I mean, Syria, like this is a real world, a, a very real world situation that you could tie this into. You think about all these people that are from like a, a, a war torn Syria. Like that's the closest thing that I can think of being a U.S. citizen that, that we're all kind of, I would say, close to because we've had a direct hand in some of the stuff that's going on over there is we have all these people displaced from that country and nobody wants to take them to the point where like they're hopping on ships and going to these different countries and actually being turned away. It's kind of the same situation in this film where like countries are saying, yeah, we're going to take this many or we're going to take a million or we're going to take two million or we're in Australia for some reason, like doesn't want to take anybody. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on with Japan and Australia when this movie came out, but God damn, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, uh, we don't really want to take anyone, and then and then like uh, the they they like you know is is like a gesture of appreciation after a meeting. Like they give him like uh, the prime minister of Australia like a uh, like a, a, a nice like Japanese sculpture, and and he even it's says like, a like he, I wish we could just get more of these instead of people. And it's like what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. And then and they're, then they're later like and, and then later in the movie, there's just a scene where like the the Australian prime minister and like his assistant or whatever are talking. And he's like, should we, should we erase them from the, they're looking at a map. And they're like, should we erase Japan from the map yet? It's like, what's the matter with you guys? What? It's, <laughs> I know it's like, but, but here's the thing. Like if you were to, if you were to take a step back for a moment and you talked about this being like the smartest disaster film, like there's some very real world politics kind of playing out here because like, isn't that how we treat, each other like you have when we have real issues going on in the world like we we kind of do this to people don't we like we we just oh how many people can you take ah we can take two hundred thousand people there's there's millions of people that are displaced in countries that are like going to war with each other and we won't take anybody i mean that (laughs) that's the part that i think really hit home for me and then you see you see it from the perspective of the prime minister and all he can think about is, okay, what can I do to save the people of my country? And everything that he does is basically trying to save his people. Like, I mean, could you imagine the weight on the guy's shoulders? And listen, Tamba is – his performance in this film is incredible. I don't I don't know that I've seen um, – from a movie, like from a, from a Tokusatsu movie, like I don't know that I've seen a, a performance that has this much weight. Maybe since like the original Godzilla film, like you correct me if I'm wrong. Oh no, Bert, he's like, he's he, incredible. In yeah, this it's film. it's so good. Um, he really, you really feel like the. I mean, basically, he's put into a position that. I mean, even even a victory would be getting most of the people of Japan out, but even that's that's still not accounting for several thousand at the very very least, and. I mean, it's he's he's just doing his best, and it's he just there's so much compassion uh, in in this character that really, I, I mean, I think that I mean there's other characters that are important to the story. Um, Onodera, who's like a submarine uh, pilot, 
the pilot of the Watatsumi, and then um, Dr. Tadakoro, who's the doctor who's, like, predicting all these earthquakes. Like, they're important characters, too, but I really feel like the prime minister is kind of... He's the closest thing to an, a cipher for the audience. I feel like he's the he's the character that the audience is is uh is like you're I feel like you're looking through his eyes at this situation and uh the movie really doesn't skimp on just how bad of a situation it is and how difficult it is to would be to to try and like find any kind of solution to all this. Well yeah, cuz you you start out by talk ta- uh Tadakoro who's uh the scientist who basically is is putting all the pieces together and informing who, the government by the way and i love like movie characters who are like old crazy crazy old <laughs> men who are just like needlessly like cantankerous and and he this guy's up there <laughs> oh yeah, he, like, has this scene where, like, he forgets something in a board meeting with the prime minister and, like, all these Japanese government officials. And he, like, leaves the room and he comes back. He's like, oh, I forgot this. And he, like, interrupts their meeting after leaving and it was comes a, back he in He forgot his it. pen. It was <laughs> a pen. I remember that scene. He forgot. And then the, there's another scene where he's on TV and he just starts punching, like, the the guy on the show with him. <laughs> That was great. I, I love his character is awesome too. Actually, he's and the like, most angry scientist I've ever seen. Which, which is funny because he's the most composed prime minister in Godzilla 1984. Like they can't be more polar opposites for characters. Like he's he's got such range. You know what I mean? Like you see some of these actors today who are kind of pigeonholed into certain roles. Like he's definitely not one of them. Um, <laughs> But he, he's kind of he's the character that puts all the pieces together. The movie kind of starts out with him. I think they're like underwater, and he's basically putting together what's going to happen to Japan, and he's very troubled by it. Yeah, that's when you, that's I, when him and Onodera go down in the sub, and like they notice like the the lines in the 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 earth or whatever. Which, by the way, I, we're gonna rev- we're gonna talk about the the remake. But I thought that the effects here actually look better than the underwater scenes for the remake in two thousand six. Like that, yeah. that's just my personal opinion. But like Onodera, who um, he's he's actually played by the the guy who played the first Common Rider. Yes, he is. Um, which is pretty awesome. Um, he's kind of like this. I, I don't. How would you describe him, Bird? Like, what would you? What would you dis- like, how would you describe his character? Well, I, I like him because like uh he's not like the really heroic, like young guy handsome guy that you would see in a lot of movies like this. Like obviously he cares about his job, he cares about Japan, he cares about the research and trying to get everyone to safety. But like as a per as like his as like a, a person, he's still like very conflicted, like uh, he's he's more or less portrayed as someone who he's probably in his like um, I don't know maybe he's in his thirties maybe yeah um, yeah and like his and I don't know if this, these are just some things about Japanese culture that we're not getting as Westerners but like his um, guy he works with like uh, is like really pressuring him to date the this girl Reiko and and like he's like yeah you know we we. They like they they go yeah we should get married and then like there's a scene where he's saying like <laughs> like they're talking about like leaving Japan because they're gonna go to Switzerland and he's like look like we can go but you should know like I I don't know if I love you 
And it's like, what? Like, what? Like, because he's obviously <laughs> supposed to be, like, the character that, like, the young younger audience members are probably going to relate to. Um, but, like, I, I think things like that make him so much more interesting than a character. Like, he, it adds, like, in a way, like, his flaws add to, like, just his humanity. Like, the, he feels like a more real person than... <laughs> Well, you know, the well, we'll talk about the remake, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and he has also maybe the greatest pickup line that I can think of in these films. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like, they're <laughs> no, so they're so he's at he's out, uh, he meets uh, Reiko, and they're they're like outside, they're actually on the beach, and uh, she, she's asking him all these questions, and she's like, so, so why do you want to get married? Because uh, she she asks him why do you want to get married and he says well I, basically he says I want to become a father and she's like make love to me and he has no interest in loving this girl he just wants to become a father at some point yeah he just wants and, he just wants <laughs> he just wants babies and, and then as as they're you know basically as they're on the beach then a volcano erupts and that's kind of when all hell breaks loose and um and by the way that leads up into eventually to- the Tokyo scene which holy shit dude. That 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 entire sequence is is ugh, like that. That is a scene where like Godzilla is ramp is like would be if Godzilla were in this film, he would be like rampaging, destroying everything. Like think of shit the, the Shin Godzilla scene, where, like he annihilates everything, and then like multiply that by I, I don't know what you would multiply that by, but like you got like glass shards impaling people in the face and blood sport like squirting out and it, it's people on I mean, fire like oh it's ba- like actually you know what you, you brought up a really good point when we were talking about the film you said this is basically a movie like if if there were a monster attacking the city and they could show people dying in in, in films this is like what they could show like this is basically what they would show if godzilla were actually attacking the city and you're right that's exactly right they could show people dying in the godzilla films because those are catered to a different audience obviously this is a much more realistic approach to that yeah like people are on fire burning to like they show people dying and it's insane aside from the godzilla's attack on tokyo in the original movie this probably is out of any of these uh any like toho sci-fi movie or any tokusatsu movie this this is probably like the destruction scene that carries like the most weight and like sheer terror like it's 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 a it's horrifying and like the like everything is on fire and like firemen are like they they're run out running out of water to try and put out fires like it's like holy shit this is this is nuts <laughs> it, it is it is uh yeah i mean it, it's it's insane and for like we've talked a lot about how the 70s just in Japan, not only in in the genre, but in Japanese film in general, um, were a very tough time with uh, studios slashing budgets everywhere. This movie had a pretty big budget. I think at the time it was made, it was the most expensive Japanese film. I don't know how they were able to do that in this kind of climate for movie making, but... I mean, everyone knows Nakano from the 70s Godzilla movies, which were obviously very low budget. Um, but this just goes to show if you give him money uh, yeah. and, and like give him the tools, like he'll knock your socks off. I, I really think that 
this is the best work of his career and some of the best work in the genre period. Like the miniatures are fantastic across the board. That the, the Tokyo earthquake scene is amazing. You see like lights in all the buildings go in and out as they're collapsing. Like this is, this is like what I, I wish the Godzilla movies of this time would had effects like this. It, there's also some really pivotal moments in the film that we need to talk about too, because in the remake, um, and I'm, I'm trying not to even like talk about the remake till we get there, but it, it's kind of hard because th- there's, I, I believe, is it Watari? Is that the, that's the older gentleman, correct? Am, yes. am I, yeah. Yeah. He, so he, he's kind of like your, I guess, the political fixer. He's giving the prime minister all this advice, right? Um, and he talks about what is it? These these three people that are basically they write these opinions about Japan and, and what they would like, do. It um, was like an I think Africa, um, f- France maybe I don't know. He got like three of the like world's top like scientists and people to come together and come up with solutions. Yeah, and, and basically, there's I, I thought one was like a basically a psychologist a buddhist and there was one other person and yeah. butchering that yeah um and it basically the the conclusion they, they they come up with like three plans um but one of the plans that the conclusion they come to at the very end was basically to do nothing meaning to let the to let japan sink or to and to let the japanese people perish and it's such a pivotal moment in the film because during this whole exposition when they're talking he he basically tells the prime minister that's just an opinion ignore it and it becomes such a like th- piece of throwaway dialogue in the next film <laughs> there's it, a lot it really of things does. there's a lot of th- yeah. things that the next movie handles pretty poorly <laughs> like um, what's going on and there's also this this part of the film where um you know where, when they're when they're talking about saving people you know he, where the prime minister's like hey and I believe this is a credit to the prime minister because it's again it's my memory is a little fuzzy about who says what sometimes. But when they're talking about hey, can can you save, can you save a thousand people? Can you save a hundred people? Can you save one person? Where he's begging, he's basically going on about can we just save more people than what's already been saved? And, and again, that just shows his heart towards the people that he's trying to save. Um, and that part also becomes almost like a piece of throwaway dialogue in the next film, and and it, and it shouldn't be. Right, yeah, um, and it kind of pissed me off actually. <laughs> like that's one of the things that yeah, like you're ruining the, the 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 heart of the film that I feel like it works so hard to portray. Like that's that's the thing that I really hated about the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, obviously, with Shin Godzilla blowing up everywhere right now, you can't get away from it if you're into this stuff. Uh, much has been said about the political view that it takes. Um, yeah. And the view that Japan can basically, should be allowed to just handle problems by themselves with no interference. Uh, more or less, at least if you're more, I guess, familiar with Japanese culture or some of the movements going on over there right now, it's a, it's a very nationalistic kind of right-wing film. Now, when I tell you that this movie is about Japan feeling sort of helpless in, the, in uh, a disaster science fiction element, this movie has pretty much every opportunity to, to, to go that route. 
But it, it the thing that I like about this movie is that it doesn't do that. And it, it, this movie, if anything, has the opposite message of reach out to everybody, get help from everybody, make agreements with everybody, do what you can, because otherwise you're going to be wasting time. And uh, especially um, Australia, notwithstanding... Really, this movie shows whether it's... Um, the thing I like about this movie, and again, not to talk too much about the remake just yet, but the thing that I think makes this movie work is that it either shows the ambassadors or the prime minister himself getting together with other other uh, world leaders, or um, it might show the president of the United States on TV saying, like, hey, we are taking all these people. It might it might show um, some Chinese politicians saying, we'll agree to take so this amount of people. And it really shows the that, that at the end of the day we all have a heart and want to help each other no matter the difference in race, culture, etc. And going back to the moment that you talked about, because it's it's a very pivotal moment, um, because obviously knowing Japanese, like, uh, people, you know, it's a very honor based kind of culture that's where you get ideals like um you know kamikaze pilots in world war ii and the idea in this movie is that you know you know you know what i love japan so much i'd rather just sink with it than have anything to do with anything else and the prime minister in this movie is just so like he he is so against any kind of mentality like that he's like no these are people's lives we need to get everyone out and I, again, these are things the remake, I feel like the remake negates, and we'll get back to it. But I just I feel like there's something to be said for a movie like that where it goes through measures to show you everybody kind of working together and, you know, that the world is sympathetic to Japan's problems. Um, and the moment that you were talking about is great where they're talking about the plans. It's like, okay, go somewhere, build a new nation, integrate with other cultures and just become part of a melting pot. Or the Japanese people just sit there and do nothing. And the older guy is like, you know what? I, I agree with the last idea. We should just sit here and, and you know, J- the Japanese people should die with Japan. And the prime minister even says, like, do nothing? He's like, no, like... I need to figure out, like, he's like, I, I want to I find out a way to save a, th- a million people, a thousand. And he says, like, even just one, just one person. And he's like, no, we're going to go and find a solution to this. Um, and I just feel like this is a movie that has every chance to turn around and say, you know what, Japan will figure it out on our own. And it really doesn't go that route at all. Yeah, and... That's the thing too, because at the by the end of the film, um, all the nations are able to come together because of that cooperation, and they actually are able to basically save a lot of the Japanese people. Of course, some people do stay, but a lot of it are like the older people that could, either couldn't get out of bed. Um, like there's one particular character, and again, this was like the guy who's basically giving the advice to the prime minister. Like he's he's too infirm; he can't. He actually literally can't get out of bed to go, so he's going to go down with Japan. Or you have 
Um, you actually have uh, Todoro or, or Takadora, whatever his name is. I can't, I can't think of it right now. But um, he's he's going to go down with Japan. But he's also older, so he he doesn't want to leave the country. But everybody else, they're they're trying to save as many people as possible, and they actually succeed. And the end of the film is basically showing all these people going to different countries. And one thing we should t- touch on is the romance between. Um, the, the the two characters that we kind of alluded to earlier, and I'm I'm trying to think of their name now because they're Onodera and uh, Reiko. Reiko, yeah, Reiko. Like they don't end up together in this film, which is interesting because Reiko ends up in some place that's covered in snow. It basically doesn't tell us where; it just says somewhere in the world. And um, Onodera, he he actually ends up, and I I guess it's implied that it's the U.S. I'm not sure because it's like basically some some farmland. And that's a very big discrepancy, again, talking about the other film. But, like, they, they don't end up together after after everything that they've been through. So, like, it, it's just a, one of those films that has a lot to offer. And you kind of get the, the implot where, like, the guy and the girl don't end up together after everything, which is different. Like, that's kind of subverting something that you're typically used to seeing where, like, everybody ends up always happy. Well, no, not always. Not in real life. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I mean, I, I thought that was actually something I, I appreciated about the film because like life doesn't always have the ending that you want it to have yeah um yeah and i and i mean i think in the middle of the movie they've come to an agreement with i think 21 countries but there's still 101 million people in japan that'll be stuck so it's not you know it's 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 not the you know it and it does end on on kind of a, a somber note um, which I guess for the seventies is kind of normal, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about. I, I, and I, th- I just think the prime minister in this movie is, I think he's kind of embodying a lot of the kind of humanism and pacifism of a lot of the earlier Toho movies as well. And, um, yeah, I like he he's he's probably the prime minister in like any Ashiro Honda movie probably. Yeah, I mean having just watched something like Atragon recently where you have like a, a character in that film who he's got the secret super super sub who like that can basically save the world from from his troubles and at first he doesn't want to, you know, do anything with it and then he basically comes around and realizes okay, I can actually use my my weapon for the greater good of man, as opposed to, you know, basically drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, I'm only going to do it for my country, which, I mean, like I said earlier, like, that's what we do today, isn't it? Like, we only want to do what's good for our own country. Like, we're we're just, we're protecting our own people. And like, I feel like that's so selfish a lot of times. And and, and like, I, I hate to bring up politics on a podcast, but like, it irritates me so much when I see that kind of stuff happening, because it happens in real life. That's how we treat each other so much. Like we we close off our like we don't want to help refugees. We it's, it's like this movie speaks so much, at least to me personally, about those things, and that's why like probably more so on this podcast than maybe anyone I've been on. I'm so like maybe angsty, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> <laughs> because like it just you know we we do this to people. Like when people are are in trouble, like we we don't go out of our way to help them, and, and we should, and and that's what this movie gets right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, and <laughs> uh, I, I see. To me, this movie, 
this movie is everything that Shin Godzilla should be, in a way. <laughs> Uh, right down from you know having a more humanistic political message than kind of the nationalist rah rah uh, that Shin has, but also just in 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 structure, it's the same structure as Shin Godzilla, but unlike Shin Godzilla, Submersion of Japan gives you fleshed out characters. It gives you actual story. It gives you motivations for the characters beyond just like wanting to do uh you know what is right for japan you know it like the there's layers to this movie that and i mean like i get you know both movies have a lot of meetings they're mostly meetings for crying out loud <laughs> but the thing is like what i'm seeing a lot with shin godzilla is people well it had to be that way so when it, can, it can address all the political blah 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 and it's like, no, it doesn't. This movie shows you that you can have that exact same format and still give you characters that we like, still give you um, like like uh, like real performances and character arcs with these people. And I don't know. This is this is the movie it should have been. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. In my no, opinion, it, obviously, no, obviously, you're, this you're is at- my opinion. But, like at, at what point did you feel any bit of this the same kind of raw emotion in Shin Godzilla that you feel in this film? Because for me, they're not comparable. Well, yeah, that's they're, they're what just, that's what I'm yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, I wish there was a character as like as fleshed out as uh, the prime minister, and you know, a performance like that. Like in a mo- a disaster movie like this like the prime minister the guy who has to like find a solution to this he pretty much has the worst job in the world and you <laughs> feel the weight of the situation on his back and that's what that's what a movie like this needs to give you or else you're going to tune out of all these meetings you th- yeah. like like that's what that like I feel like a movie that was thought through a little better would have would be able to possess this. Um, even Godzilla eighty four I think accomplishes that because again I I feel the performance uh, in the prime minister character. You feel you feel the pressure these guys are under. It's not just we have to work uh, against time to come up with this or that. It's like you feel like that they care about what they're doing. Um, and you feel it through, not just through, not through the actions, you feel it through their dialogue and, and interactions with other people. And that's something that I didn't get from Shin Godzilla. And that's why, that's why I think this movie is such an interesting movie to compare it to. Obviously they're two different movies trying to do two different things. Yes. But they're, they're taking the same approach, the same format of here's a disaster. Here's how the government responds. That's the outline of both movies. And I just I, I think there's so much more nuance in this movie that I think Shin Godzilla could have benefited from. I mean, you're absolutely right because the thing is, this movie, like if you if you put Godzilla into the movie and you basically change the idea of instead of Japan sinking, they're just trying to save Japan and, and get people out of the way of Godzilla's rampage. In, in essence, it would still work, and you would still have the heartfelt, emotional. Um, performances in the film and like shin had none of that and i know we keep kind of coming back to and harping it but like i mean that movie was such a colossal disappointment for me because 
Like that's what it's trying to convey in in a sense, but like it never does. And I, I love Trev's line about how the one character story arc, like it was to smile at the end. Like, and and it's so true. Like, there there's no character in that film besides the prime minister. And the only reason I care about him is because he's like the butt of every joke. And once you know, spoiler alert, I guess. But like once he's gone from Shin, like I, I kind of check out of the movie. Because he was the one guy I cared about because everybody's kind of making fun of him. And he's he's like the one person I gravitated towards in that film. And then once he's gone, like, eh. And, and in this film, the prime minister is like, man, you just you, – you feel the tension. You feel the weight of every decision that he's making. He's he's right in the thick of things. He's there. I, I think he's actually in Tokyo when Tokyo is getting hammered. Like he's, he's experiencing the, the, the quakes. He's trying to – I mean every decision that he makes is for the betterment of his people. And it makes you feel for for the what good man can do when they have a heart for each other as opposed to always trying to make decisions, you know, against each other. Yeah. I mean that that was I mean that was my major takeaway from the film. Yeah. And I it's just I, I think Shin Godzilla had an opportunity to have a heart the 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 kind of heart that this movie has, but I feel like it got too bogged down in what Anno and Higuchi were trying to say it with the message and the politics and the meetings that they forgot to ha- add heart. And I feel like this movie has that heart. Um, so, like, how many shards of glass through someone's <laughs> eye do you give this out of five? Yeah, I mean, like, like for me, I'm, I'm going to say it's a solid four out of four and a half out of five. Um, if if there is a gripe that somebody might have, it's that it does start off a little slow. It is a so slow like, movie, yes. So so like if if that's and it is long, so so know that going in. But if you can make it like the Tokyo sequence alone is worth watching. If you can make it to that sequence, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. That oh man, it it. I know we've talked about it a bunch of times, but it really is. If you're a fan of miniature effects. Uh, you you need to see this scene pretty much. Uh, like I said, it's Nakano's best work. It's it's great, um, and yes, it has uh, glass going through people's face and blood everywhere. So I give it. Uh, I'm with you in that I give it like I'd, I'd probably give it a four uh, shards of glass through the eye, eyes out of five. Um, and uh, maybe it is, may, probably maybe just because it is a little bit slow. Um, but I don't want, but see, I don't necessarily even mean that as a bad thing. Because there's a difference between slow and boring. This movie's slow. It's a slow burn, but it's not boring. I don't, there's no parts of this movie that I feel like, oh, they could have cut that out. They could have cut this out. It's just, it's just long, and there's a lot of meetings, yes. <laughs> um but uh, I, I feel like everyone that involved in this movie really, really brought something to it, from the actors to Nakano's effects to um, uh, just the script and the kind of message that it's conveying and what it's saying about international affairs and, and um, just kind of giving you an idea of the Japanese mindset at the time that uh, this was written that the book was written and the movie was written, just what, what the Japanese were going through and their mentality. Uh, and it really just kind of puts all that together in a, in a pretty decently uh, well-done package. Um, and, yeah, I think that if you're a fan of Godzilla movies, this would probably be up your alley, really. Like I said, it's Godzilla movie without Godzilla. 
Um, and you'll be surprised just how good a Godzilla movie with no Godzilla in it can be. Um, so, uh, I guess let's fast forward to 2006, where we have Sinking of Japan, which is a remake directed by Shinji Higuchi, who is no stranger to anybody listening to this. Uh, amazing special effects artist behind the Gamera trilogy, um, and uh, uh, director of the Attack on Titan films, Lorelei, and co-director of Shin Godzilla. Um, so, uh, in the wake of recent disasters, uh, Toho decided to give one of their high, their biggest uh, money makers another go, uh, and they gave it to um, uh, someone who is a uh, great special effects artist, but we'll talk about how he is as a director in a moment. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it takes the same story, more or less, um, of, uh, I guess, you know, the same thing. Scientists, after an earthquake, realize Japan is sinking. What the hell do we do? And this movie uh, kind of modernizes it a little bit. It updates the science behind it um, using, you know, I guess, research uh, on events with the, the, I guess, between 73 and 2006, you know. It, so um, it's a little bit more modernized. Uh, science is a little bit newer um, and more reflective of recent theories and such. Uh, and uh, here, I guess... Uh, there, it takes a lot of turns that the original film did not take. Um, one that I think is infuriating. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about Sinking of Japan for a moment. Um, so, Matt, you just watched this recently, as recent as maybe five days ago. <laughs> what what did you think of 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 this one here? Uh, um, so this reminds me of the last movie, if Michael Bay decided to direct it. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. I mean, like, so, Higuchi basically takes some of the, some of the characters that were minor characters or supporting characters in the first film and makes them major characters, like, Onodera is now the kind of the major character in this film, and and his love interest Reiko is also kind of a major character, and like their their love interest is kind of a a, a big portion of this story, um, which I I thought like like Reiko she she's in the first film, but she's kind of I mean she's she's a very minor character, and in this film she's like part of the the rescue corps, and she like the the opening scene is like her rescuing. Onadera from like one of the um, early earthquakes. Like it, it's insane how much they've changed some of the characters around. And if you've seen, if you're familiar with Higuchi's work on Attack on Titan, and you're familiar with how much he changed some of the source material for those two films compared to 
Um, it, it, it's, it's basically the same thing. He's changed so much stuff in this film that like, it's almost exasperating to try to tell you how much he's actually changed. Like it's, and, and it's honestly, to me, it's infuriating because he kind of misses the point. Like he, he misses the point of, of what the original story was trying to, to convey, which is like in this film, the end of it is what Japan is going to end up saving itself. Right. Like now they <laughs> yeah. do get some the, Japan saves itself and they do get some help from other countries and the way they save themselves is like they they basically end up getting these like drills or whatever and and, and they end up basically stopping japan from sinking by by stopping the plates or some by pseudoscience bull crap which i mean that whatever but the whole thing is japan saves itself in the original film japan does not save itself like they, they kind of miss the point um and like the the love interest like i just i don't know like it it it's I, I'm exasperated, man. I'm tired. <laughs> like, what do you what do you, what do you say about a movie that changes like everything about the first movie? <laughs> right. Like what? Well, like what? I, well, I mean, the <laughs> the whole idea of the first movie is kind of lost in a lot of ways. First of all, I mean, these disaster movies we're talking about, whether it's Sinking of Japan, Shin Godzilla. Uh, even even uh, Godzilla eighty four, those mo- those genre movies that are taking a more like, you know, sh- it's from the government's point of view. They're more or less political thrillers in a disaster setting. And what happens when you have a movie that wants to do that, but none of the but the politicians are no longer characters in it. Um, so you have a, a, a story all about how Japan. Uh, reacts and communicates with other countries in a, a cataclysmic disaster where you don't once see anyone meet someone from another country or have a dialogue with them. You don't see a, the president or anyone on TV. You don't see any of that communication. So what it does is it just it, it puts the two lovebirds center stage and there's really nothing. I mean, and I, I, I know that uh, when we talked off there about this movie, you said like, oh, like you know, the relationship is kind of cute, and it is. You know, it's 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 kind of sweet, but the movie never really bothers to go beyond like, oh, look at these two people, these two lovebirds, uh, it, and that can't carry. Um, that's that's not substance. And the thing about the original yeah. movie is it has so much substance. And don't even get me started on the dialogue. Um, <laughs> the dialogue in this the... movie. <laughs> well, oh, no, I wrote it down. Oh, I'm glad you did because I was um, I was trying to remember some of the stuff that we were talking about, and those lines were hilarious. Because I because I take notes on my note app on my phone now, um, just so I, I'll have a better idea what to talk about on these podcasts. But so when. So when he first meets up with her after they rescue, uh, after she rescues him at the beginning, she's talking about how, you know, um, uh, her dad is the one that made her want to become a firefighter. And then she just goes, I wish I was born a man like my dad. And then Onadera says, when you rescued us, you were as cool as a man, maybe even cooler. (laughs) Who writes this garbage? Oh man, it's and, the worst. And, uh, and I mean, the thing about making the love story the main human element is, 
It's like I said, it, they, it doesn't develop beyond like, hey, these two people like love each other and care about each other. It, and that's that's also where like I think of like the melodrama as being so over the top and so like, it is like something you would see out of like Armageddon or like a Michael Bay movie. It's just so sappy and emotionally manipulative, like um, uh, like. <laughs> You got to tell your 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 favorite part of the film if if, if I'm judging you correctly. Uh, well, uh, again, just going back to how like how much this movie wants to manipulate you into caring about these people, like so um, so, Onadera and Reiko they they hang out a lot with um, uh, one of the kids that they saved, um, and I guess uh, is it a foster family or is it just her family? I think it's just her family. And yeah. okay, and her family, like they become close after she saved them, whatever. And so, um, like they end up like uh, they're at like a refugee camp, and they stay the night in a tent. And Reiko's like, "Hey, you know, I love you," and he's like, "Oh, I love you too." And then she's like, "Make love to me," and he's like, "No, I can't do that." He's like, "Look, we're gonna get out of Japan together, like, uh, and and we'll do it then." It's like, okay, like. I guess. <laughs> I mean, what if you never see her again, dude? But not only that, but and this is all. This is going to lead up to the thing I, that drives me crazy about this movie is that okay. So he says that, and she's like, oh, "Okay, fine." And then it turns out that was a lie because he's actually going back to the sub, and he's going to try and drop a bomb in a hole in the in the in the earth to destroy the plate that's moving and save Japan from sinking. So he's not actually, he knows he's going to do that, and he knows that he's probably not going to come out alive. So he just lied to her, saying like, yeah, we'll, we'll have sex when, when I get back and everyone's safe. And the movie, the, the thing is, the, it's like the movie didn't even like think about that. Like, <laughs> so now he just looks like a liar that passed, uh, passed up having sex with the girl he loves just because he's... Uh, an asshole <laughs> and then yes yes ladies and gentlemen you heard me correctly he saves japan from sinking in a sinking of japan movie where the whole point of the first one was how the hell do we get people out how do we deal with the situation he saves japan from sinking and they even say well, now we're going to rebuild to get ready for the refugees to come back home so everyone's just going to go home at the end. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Japan does not sink or something. I don't know. I actually thought you were going to talk about the uh, the whole J-pop song when they're giving each other a hug oh, for like oh, 25 oh, minutes. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of sappiness, there's a scene where Onodera is leaving on a helicopter, and the movie literally slows down into slow motion, and the two embrace on like a... Like what do they call that? Like the helicopter launching pad thing, like a uh... helipad. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's what I would call it. And yeah. they embrace in a, 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 a. I'm not lying. The movie makes us listen to an entire <laughs> J-pop ballad as we see the two embrace and hug and kiss and weep into each other's eyes. And it's like, oh my god, can you, can you, can you really, can you lay it on a little thicker? Like, oh my god, like, this movie really wants you to... I, I've, I've never seen a movie so desperate to make you care about the main couple. 
Like it's it's like please here. I know these people aren't that interesting, but care. Listen to the music. Isn't it sad? <laughs> Look at how they're crying, guys. It's like oh my god. Do you know how to? Do you know how emotions work, or like people work, or how acting works? Like, oh, I, and and I, going back to what you said about how this movie underlines so many like of the best things about the original, like. First of all, um, uh, like that scene we talked about that was so emotional in the original where the prime minister is like, I I need to find a way to save a hundred people. No, just one, just one extra person because that's a life and that's important. It's pretty that that in this movie is presented as the prime minister is like main aide who's a woman. She meets up with a. uh, Tadakoro, who's the scientist, who in this is like some young, like, hipster scientist. And she's like, well, do you have any, and this is ri- literally how the scene goes. Like, they're, they, they're meeting at, like, his, in his office or whatever, and she's like, do you have any ideas on how to, how we could save some more people, like, a thousand or a hundred or even one? You got any ideas? <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, how did you just, how how did you just passively go over just just zip right through like the most emotional scene of the original film in a way like that it's it's like that's just another scene that misses the point another scene another part that misses the point and in the original the old like uh prideful japanese guy is like no i i think it's best to just stay here in this movie, the prime minister is the one that brings up that idea, and he's like, you know what, we, you know, my opinion is, uh, you know, Japan, Japanese should just die with Japan. It's like, the prime minister is the one that was, like, not wanting to do that in the original. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And then the prime minister in this movie ends up, like, halfway through the movie getting blown up in a helicopter. Thank God, because well, he was an idiot. Man, <sighs> there, there, there's some, like, weird, like... Apparently, they like doing that in a lot of uh, Higuchi movies. I don't understand. <laughs> Killing the prime minister halfway through? <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> um, and then, like, again, like, this movie, kind of going back to what I was saying about how you never see any negotiations between any of these countries, like, this movie almost goes out of its way. It's, and see, this is, I don't know if you'll agree with me here, but, like, it really goes out of its way in saying, like, you know, other countries pretty much don't care, and in order to get America to pay attention, we had to bribe them with, like, national treasures and artifacts, and, like, oh, America, like, they broke their truce, and now our economy is shit, and, like... Yep, I do remember that part. And it's like, what, like, what kind of... Like, what are you really saying with this movie, dude? Like, did you really get the original the point of the original story like i don't know like and and then and then like uh, for some reason in this movie they tell the public that like it'll sink in like 300 days or something but the truth is it's like two months but they never (laughs) tell the public that like they just lie to them and they say it's to avoid a panic but like in the original movie they say like well we should just tell them anyway because they're gonna find out eventually and people are going to panic regardless but in this movie they just like lie to the public for no reason what's up with this movie it's it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible well i mean like you know the other thing is so you you have a lot of drastic shifts with the you know the characters obviously we've talked about that a little bit but like another thing we haven't talked about entirely is you know 
Onadero, he, he dies. He dies to sacrifice himself. In the first one, he he doesn't die. Um, then you have the scientist who dies in the first one who doesn't die in this. And as he, I think you described him correctly as being like the hipster scientist. It's just like they, they mesh the, the prime minister's character with the other. It's just it's it's a terrible mess. I don't understand. Like I said, Higuchi is a horrible director. I don't know how to say that because I've seen the only movie that I've seen of his that he's directed that I've liked so far. And I haven't seen all of his films, but like I did like Lorelei, um, or at least most of it. But like the two Attack on Titan films are terrible. Like the third, the second ta- Attack on Titan film is like one of the worst films I think I've seen in recent memory. This film was pretty bad. Um, and to like remake a film and to basically like sl- to to basically spit in its face. And, I mean, like that. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're you're taking a film that has a very specific message, that has a message about bringing man together, and to basically do the exact opposite. To like not show any of the stuff about negotiating on screen, to do all that stuff off screen, and like they, they purposely do that, like you talked about, like they don't show any any countries talking to each other, like it's all done off screen, and then to have like Japan just like save itself, and and I, and I like I said, to be fair, they do have ships come in from other countries that do help Japan, and like they all drill down together, and and that's partially how Japan saves itself. But at the end of the day, it's a Japanese hero. That is two Japanese guys that actually go down and say and sacrifice themselves um, because the first one fails and dies. And the second one is Onidera, who basically is killed at the end. And both of those two are credited as saving Japan. And as you said, all the Japanese people are just going to come back to the island. And it's just like you guys missed like you, you missed the point of the first film. And that's what makes me so angry. Like, it's just it's, it's just. And the other <laughs> thing is, this is a movie made in 2006. And the special effects in the first film were better, in my opinion. <laughs> They're definitely more interesting effects. I, I think this movie has a kind of the typical, I don't know, it kind of has a, a, the Huguchi thing of, like, he likes miniatures, but he likes to play with them in CG settings. So, like, because um, I actually have the DVD of this, and I, there's, like, a behind-the-scenes feature about all the miniatures, and the miniatures are, like, meticulously crafted. And they show, like, you know, uh, how they did, like, the floods and stuff, like, practically. And, like, it looks so cool. And then, like, you see it, like, in front of all these green screens and with, like, all these CGI smokes and, like, CGI, like, building debris, like, all over it. And it, it really kind of, like, ruins the mystique. Kind of like how in Lorelei, like, they built, like, these really awesome miniature submarines. But then they put, like, put it in, like, this weird, like, CGI water. And it's like, ugh. Like... <laughs> You know, it's like what? Do you, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to him after the Gamera films, but it's like he he had this, or maybe it's, I, I don't know when it started, but like he got this idea in his head that that CG, like he he was so he's so good. I mean, like if you look at the the God Warrior short film that he did um, with Anno, like that thing is amazing. You mm-hmm. know, I don't understand yeah. why he got away from that and went to. I I just it kind well, of befuddled he, he, me. He's re- he really likes doing what he calls hybrid effects, whereas he'll use like he'll practical, but then he'll like enhance it with CG. Which like the Gamera movies, like that worked perfectly. But then I think in some other projects, it hasn't worked as well. I thought I think it worked okay in Attack on Titan, um, but 
these movies, like, like I don't know, because you have such great miniature work, and you're 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 bit kind of burying it under CGI, and I think I think it, it there's a really specific kind of balance that you need to maintain to make it look good. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, and I don't know if it's just because it seems like since the Gamera movies, his movies have incorporated more CG, and I don't know if that's because he is getting more comfortable with that method, or uh, or if it's because you know maybe he feels pressure that you know uh, practical won't like hit as well with audiences. But I do because he still is very much a champion of practical effects, and I still maintain that he's the best one in the business for Tokusatsu right now. But I I, I don't know if he's maybe getting too comfortable with CG where he is just using it to, for, as kind of like a solution to every issue with the practicals. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think the effects in this are God awful, but there's, there's certain scenes that play out better than others for sure. And like watching the behind the scenes, you really get to look at like, how how really how good the miniatures actu- effects actually are so to have them buried under clouds of cgi smoke and debris is kind of <laughs> kind of sad really like you're hiding your work almost it's yeah um, the, the other, <clears throat> well the yeah, other thing is like there's not that sense of like that tokyo i kept waiting for like that tokyo scene to happen and it just where was it? Like it was just tsunami after tsunami yeah, after tsunami yeah the destruction scenes are kind of they're a little bit more brief in this which you know, I'm sure like they're trying to, because this is also a long movie, so I'm sure they're just trying to like get through the story. But I mean, yeah, you don't really feel the the consequences as much in this one, I don't think. Because like after that Tokyo scene alone is just like it's horrifying <laughs> in the original. Um, it really is. Really, really, honestly, and I don't know if you remember. Um, you, I, you probably do actually, because um, you're a father. But the the only scene that I felt really got as dark and scary as the Tokyo earthquake scene is there's a scene where Onadera is walking through like um, like the rubble of an earthquake and he sees like a bunch of dead bodies that are covered by blankets and he sees like a a woman I'm, it's not said like who she is or if she's a mother or, or just a woman but a woman carrying a dead baby and she she walks up and like puts it down next to all the bodies and like that that scene really actually is like rather chilling um yeah that was a hard scene to stomach yeah there, there was because there's a ton of dead babies like i think lying in the street yeah, and that that's the only time I felt like this movie had the balls that the original had. Um and it's the only time that you really feel like the consequence of the aftermath. Um uh, but I mean as far as stuff that like it's it's not a badly paced movie, especially for its length. Um some of the the modern it's, I I liked comparing like the science in both movies and like the more modern theories that this movie had like, you know, punch holes and in the in the plate and then detonate it like that's a cool theory a cool idea that um because from what i understand they actually kind of did research on like how the science of this stuff has changed over the years um and like uh reiko is um she it's revealed that she was an orphan um because the kobe earthquake from the 90s killed her parents like that was a nice touch 
Um, but really, I, I mean, it's really not a movie that I think does anything. There's nothing in this that wasn't done better the last time. Uh, yep. And, God, just the fact that the Japan is saved at the end just undercuts... <laughs> everything. Undercuts everything there was. Um, but, geez. Uh, but, yeah, this is just, it's a more nationalistic, more make everybody happy and, you know, and more, like, sappy version of Sinking of Japan. And uh, it's... <laughs> it's just not it's just not as good nothing about it is as good i was reading that uh tetsuro tamba actually plays reiko's grandfather in this movie and this would actually be his final role he passed away a few months after this movie uh there's also a cameo from hideki ano yeah he's on the the helicopters right as they're trying to yeah um and june kunimura also from shin godzilla and also in Godzilla Final Wars, in a lot of Miike stuff, he's in Kill Bill, he shows up. Um, again, the guy that played Yuki in Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla shows up here. And, geez, this was only 2006. Between this movie and Shin Godzilla, that guy looks like he aged, like, 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> um, so, uh, how many slowed-down, sappy... J-pop ballads. Would you give this out of five? So I, I was originally going to give it a two because th there are some things I do, d despite all my misgivings about the film, there were some things I liked about it. And then I remembered it spat in the face of the original film. So I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was, I was, I'm in a similar situation because I was playing with the idea of a two, and then I was like, well, if Shin Godzilla is a two. And I like that <laughs> decently more than this. What is this? So I'm gonna I'm gonna do one and a half. Yeah, pretty pretty similar. I'm not happy about it, but yeah, it's a one and a half. Um, and then I guess briefly it is worth touching on. Uh, also in 2006. Well, first of all, we should mention that Sinking of Japan, like Submersion of Japan, was a huge box office success. One of the biggest Japanese uh, movies um, of that decade uh, had made a, quite a bit of, of money at the box office. Um, so also that year was um, The World Sinks Except Japan, uh, which <laughs> was not a Toho production. It was a parody of the uh, Japan Sinks novel and films. Uh, which I believe was an independent production directed by Minoru Kawasaki, who kaiju fans probably know the best for the uh, Gulala sequel, Monster X Strikes Back, which ugh, uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> but, um, but also no. he has directed movies that aren't as bad as that one and that are pretty decent uh, and fun, like... Calamari Wrestler, uh, Executive Koala, really a lot, and also he did some Ultraman Tiga stuff. So, and he he actually has a kaiju movie out uh, this year, I think. Um, it's uh, it's that one Daikaiju Mono, whatever. There's a trailer uh, for it, um, not too long ago. It was like a, a kaiju fighting like a giant wrestler. Um, we posted the trailer, but anyway. Um, 
he's he's known for just making wacky kind of slapstick comedies and satires in Japan, almost like um, I don't know what what you what like the the Zucker brothers did here with like Naked Gun and stuff, like just really wacky off the wall like a parody and just utterly insane comedies. Um, this movie was actually also based on a novel, which was a, uh, 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 a parody of, of the original book, sinking of Japan. Um, and, uh, so this is the world sinks except Japan, which is literally, it's a, it's the reversal of Sinking of Japan, where the <laughs> whole world sinks, and Japan is the only country left, and they have to figure out how to deal with the influx of people from other countries, and uh, it's a satire that criticizes a lot of things, um, and uh, so you have... Hollywood actors showing up and, uh, like, they're forced to do, like, porn and be in, like, crappy Ultraman ripoff shows. Uh, <laughs> it's insane. Um, and uh, through this, gradually, the J- Japan is becoming less tolerant of the refugees, even uh, <laughs> forming the Gaijin attack team, <laughs> which is, uh, like, <laughs> which is, like, a military force just dedicated to like jailing like homeless and <laughs> like <laughs> Americans and uh like old people they say that old old people who survived World War II are like taking Americans and putting them in like sh- like empty rooms and pretending that they're like uh like the people that dropped the bomb and they're like throwing eggs at them and like riding them around like <laughs> horses and shit so uh <laughs> It's all really wacky and crazy stuff. It's a very surreal comedy. Um, not all of it hits. Uh, I've seen a few movies from this director. Um, it's not nearly as bad as something like his Monster X film, uh, but it's not as good as, say, Calamari Wrestler. But uh, I think this is this is the first in the podcast, Matt, and this, this is a movie that we both just saw for the first time. Uh, how did you feel about it? Yeah, it, it was weird, man. Um, so, so the whole point of the movie is like it's obviously criticizing um, like nationalism and, and things like that. And it's weird because the first country to go down is they're like, "Oh, America sunk!" Like <laughs> America sinks right away, and all of a sudden you have an influx of, as you talked about, like all these actors and then all of a sudden like they just show like this world map and like all these countries start like disappearing off the world map and sinking and it's not really heavy on although there are some tokusatsu effects in the film it's not heavy on the effect on on the special effects what it is heavy on is like the satire so basically what it is is you have all these people invading japan it's a bunch of foreigners and you have all the japanese people getting ticked off because First of all, there, there's a ton of people in the country that weren't there before, and now they're, like, basically homeless people, and they can't take care of them all. And it's just it, – it's um, – the one of the main characters that actually married to uh, – I think she's supposed to be an American woman, although she has, like, a terrible non-American accent. I don't yeah, know where she's, she's from. she's clearly, like, European or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she ends up, like, leaving him for, like, an American actor later on in the film, and I, I don't know. Like, it's – it was okay. Like, I, um, it, 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 I guess it, it made me laugh in a couple spots. Um, I don't know if I'd ever go back and like watch it again, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like, I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, 
I, I'm, the thing that got me, first of all, there are some parts where I genu- genuinely laughed out loud. Um, <laughs> there's a couple that I wrote down just because I thought they were so funny. Um, there's a part where uh, it's actually his, the same name, so pretty much the same character. Uh, Tadakoro is like explaining like what's happening with the plates, and like uh, the prime minister is like, you actually think that'll happen? And then like, it, it, like they cut to Tadakoro again, he's just asleep. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like nudging him. He's like, hello, hello. That part made me laugh out loud. There's another part where uh, it's like uh, the Japanese, the Koreans, and the Chinese are sitting around like a table. And they're like, well, what about like all these problems we were having with you guys before? And the Koreans and the Chinese, <laughs> like, they're trying to like, you know, I mean, they need Japan now. And they're trying to like play nice. They're like... Well, our problems sank with our countries, and they start laughing. And then uh, one, of the Jap- one of the Japanese people is like, "He's he's right. That was great. Get this man a cushion." And then they just bring out, <laughs> then they just bring out a cushion. And I think the Korean uh, world leader, like, he just like gets on his knees and sits on this cushion and starts clapping. And it's like what? The- <laughs> like I, I that's when that's when the mo- It's moments like that where the movie really works for me in terms of the comedy. Like, the really, like, surreal, like, irreverent jokes like that. Like, there's another part where there's, like, a, there's a weatherman, who, and he's standing in front of, like, a map of Japan with a little <laughs> pointer that has a tiny hand on it. And, like, he's predicting, like, where the influxes of people are going to come in. Like, I, th- I thought that was funny. Like, those are the things that made me laugh. Um, I wish there were a little bit more moments like that. Uh, honestly, the thing I appreciated the most about this movie was probably the the satire and the way that it it really like one thing i wasn't expecting was a movie that was really kind of skewering how racist the japanese could be against like other <laughs> it was so bad yeah like the whole movie is pretty much like making fun of how racist japan is to outsiders and how na- how needlessly nationalistic and racist they are and like i don't know that really wasn't something i was expecting so on that level like, it takes, in, I mean, like, especially if you know, like, kind of, kind of just what, like, Japanese culture is like, like, it actually takes some balls to make something like that. Like, um, so I appreciated it on that level. Um, and I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it moves along at a decent enough pace. Um, but yeah, like, there's even a scene where, like, uh, like, it's that, that the wife, this this european but the movie says is american is like saying like you know the reason america became powerful to begin with is because they shared and let other people in and i don't know i admired the movie for having the being a japanese movie that has the audacity to do that and also like this is a japanese movie that makes fun of the stereotype that asian men have small penises <laughs> Like that, yeah, a couple different times, actually. Yeah, pretty like that, funny. Like, that is so not something I would expect out of a Japanese <laughs> film. Like, just knowing what I know uh. about the Japanese, like... Uh, so, I mean, I got a lot of amusement out of it on that end. Um, if, if we're talking about effects, the few effects scenes, like, they're competently done miniature effects. Um, <laughs> we, we, for, we should mention, too, the, the, the whole... There's a show they make where the entire show is made about it's basically like a spoof of Ultraman but the show is about 
um, basically this like this guy fighting monsters, and the monsters are always stomping on foreigners. <laughs> That's the way the Japanese are supposed to be coping with with all the influx of foreigners. Is they hired foreign actors because no foreign actors could get jobs anymore because no no foreigners are watching TVs because they're all too for, too poor to afford TVs because they're homeless. So they hire foreigners on these terrible shows, and the monsters are like walking around stomping on foreigners, and even the hero is accidentally killing the foreigners, but like he's falling on them, and it's like that. That part was actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, as as a movie, like um, I wish it had more of those like super surreal like gags, like the guy with the cushion and stuff like that. Um, you didn't like the the music video about how Japan how about how how uh, Japan's awesome. <laughs> it was all right. It went on a little too long though. It did. It should have been like thirty seconds instead of like a, like a minute and a half. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, it's it's a very minor kind of movie that you know if you're bored on a rainy day, you know, it's something that I would say is definitely worth going out and renting and checking out. But it's not something that you know you need to. Go back to. Um, I admire it for the things that satirizing, and I think it actually does a decent job of it. I wish there were more of those surreal jokes because th- those are the things that I laughed out loud at. Um, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 worth looking at, but it's not something you need to rush out and 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 see. But I. I, I did. I really did like the things it was trying to say. Um, just like the previous two movies we talked about, it is a movie that does say something about politics and international affairs. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a movie, it was just kind of okay. Um, I I would probably give this two and a half trampled Americans <laughs> out of five. I did really enjoy the the satire. I thought it worked, but you know, as a movie, it. Didn't always hit, is all. Yeah, I, I'm probably about a two. Um, also, Japan does sink in this film, so that's something that yeah, the last film didn't that's do. That's true. Um, now we were actually <laughs> probably for the best. We were unable to find the Americanization of the original Submersion of Japan Tidal Wave. Uh, oh, I'm sure was, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, Roger, Roger Corman's company, New World, bought it and recut it to hell chopped it down to 82 minutes and from what i under and did the the whole thing adding american actors blah 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 um and it sounds like they just made it a cookie cutter disaster movie like earthquake uh uh and uh you know and i can uh, roger corman's one of my heroes so i understand like what his thinking was he was probably like wow this movie's very japanese and has a lot of things to say and you know i just want to make an exploitation movie out of it uh, is it for a curiosity? I am on the one hand kind of sad that we didn't get to find to find it. From what I understand, it only existed on VHS for a very brief time. Uh, but on the other hand, I have heard it's absolutely terrible. It sounds absolutely <laughs> terrible, and we're probably better people for not not finding it and watching it. That is correct. Um, so, would you recommend these movies? to Godzilla fans and kaiju fans, because even though we're out a little bit outside of the box here, we want to turn people on to things they may not try otherwise. So is this something you... Are these movies you would recommend that, that kaiju fans check out? Yeah, especially the, the original uh, submersion of Japan. I mean, you're seeing people that worked on the Godzilla films themselves and other, you know, uh, Toho films in general. So, like... 
there's no reason for you not to watch them, in my opinion. And obviously, you're familiar with Higuchi's work, so even like watching Sinking of Japan, the 2006 remake, like you're still seeing someone who's doing a lot of work in the special effects arena. Um, I, I don't like that film per se, but it's still something that like if you if you have a couple hours to kill and you want to see a movie that's dedicated like a disaster film, yeah, check it out. Um, the the kind of parody film that's kind of maybe more a little more i would say niche like it's um maybe not that particular one but the other two for sure yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm with you it's it's like we said earlier these are these are godzilla movies without godzilla in them like that is literally that's what they are and if you like the more kind of politically the the kaiju movies that are told from the government's point of view if you are if you are a fan of Shin Godzilla or Godzilla 84 um i would i would highly recommend the original um i think all three of them you could enjoy being a kaiju fan the original is the best i would say that's a no brainer especially if you like those two particular godzilla movies i just said um, but overall, I, I mean, if you're a fan of, of the kaiju movies, these, these are kaiju movies that just happen to not have a kaiju. Um, and I, I think, I think they're worth checking out. I'm not a very big fan of Sinking of Japan, but that's just my opinion and you might enjoy it. Um, and, uh, World Sinks Except Japan is a fun parody, but it's not amazing or anything it's not something you probably need to watch more than once but the original is great um and uh but yeah i mean i i think these are all three movies that if you are a kaiju fan you could probably watch and uh find something to like in them i haven't read the book i know it's uh it's it i know it's sold well here and i'm pretty sure it's in print maybe i'll read I was it. actually i was actually gonna ask you if it was it was even translated like yes available. it was Someone like tweeted or something that it was like a favorite of theirs. Maybe it was Stephen King. I don't know, but I don't think it was Stephen King. But it was someone like that people care about. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Well, yeah. No, check those out. And um, it just so happened that uh, I think it 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 it's very fitting that this we did these so soon after we saw shin godzilla because i think that these are easily comparable yeah like i said it's the godzilla film without godzilla in it basically yeah and the first one's a no-brainer yeah you gotta see and then if you if you are like hey this would be better with more nationalism and shitty sappy love stories (laughs) you might if you might like the the remake (laughs) Um, all right, well, do you have anything else to add here? I, I don't. I don't. I don't have anything else to add. I think you you pretty much covered it. I, mean, I, I probably laid it on a little thick with my my comments here, but man, I'll tell you what, that, it, it makes me so angry when, like, he just, why does, why does he change everything? Why does Higuchi change everything for movies and, and like, source material? Explain that to me, bird. Because <laughs> reasons. <laughs> <laughs> If we ever like do Attack on Titan, that's going to be uh, interesting. We'll get there, but... Ugh. All right, well, uh, I guess um, the good people in podcast land, uh, hopefully they learned something. They probably didn't, but regardless, <laughs> hopefully we were entertaining enough to get them through uh, drive to work or whatever, whatever the hell they're doing. <sighs> All right, well, I guess... Uh, yeah, I guess goodbye, everyone. <laughs>